Take your Bibles and turn to the book of 1 John. We spent uh, last month talking about preparation of the bride and how God prepares the bride. This morning I want to look at a passage in 1 John. The title of the message is called Shadow Walker. I had a couple of people already said, Shadow Walker, are you, what? What's that all about? Well, you'll hear. So let's stand together, reading God's word, 1 John chapter 1. We'll read the first 10 verses. 1 John chapter 1, you know where that is, it's towards the end of your Bible. 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, Jude and Revelation, so right there towards the end. 1st John chapter 1. That which is from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, our hands have handled concerning the word of life. The life was manifested, we have seen and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life, which is with the Father, was manifested to us. That which we have seen and heard, we declare to you, that also we may have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship was with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And these things we write to you, that your joy may be full. This is a message that we have heard from Him, and declare to you, that God is light, and He knows no darkness at all. And if we say that we have fellowship with Him, and we walk in darkness, we lie, and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, And the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. Father, may we walk in the light. God, may we not be shadow walkers, but Lord, may we truly walk in light as Jesus is at light. Awaken us, Father, to what it means. Open the eyes of our understanding. God, may we be burdened with a sense of what it means, Lord, to walk in fellowship with you. That we would not squander the opportunity you've given us to know you as Heavenly Father. But God, that we desire to do that with all that we are. And we thank you for that. We ask it in Jesus' name. And everyone said... You may be seated. So this passage is very clear. In fact, the way you can uh, get around it, it is very clear that fellowship with the Father has to do with walking in light. Why? Because He is a light. In fact, it emphatically states that God is light, in Him there's no darkness at all. And the reason I titled this Shadow Walkers is because there's a lot of people that call themselves Christians, but they walk in the shadows. It's like, you know, I'm just kind of be obscure You know, I don't want people really, you know, to kind of point me out. In fact, the lie is that some people believe that, you know, if I just kind of walk in the shadows, then people will like me, and then I can be a witness. Wrong! It doesn't work that way. In fact, why would we want a relationship with God and not have fellowship with Him? How foolish is that? That'd be like marrying my wife and say, well, I want a relationship, but I don't want people to know that I'm really with you. What? It doesn't make any sense. That's what happens with a shadow walker. They pretend that they're a Christian, but they live in the shadows. They walk in the shadows, never walking in the fullness of truth. And I love what John says here. He says, I say that that your joy may be full, because you can't really have joy unless you're in fellowship with God. Can you? You can't. We've been called out of darkness into the light, haven't we? In fact, Ephesians 5.8 says, For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. 
Walk as children of light. I love that. You were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. There are many that try to blend into society today, isn't there? Many that uh, believe that, you know, if they could just kind of live in a obscurity, it'll be okay. If I just live in a way that uh, people really don't know who I am or what I stand for, yet still, maybe I can be seen as a Christian. Now this passage is very clear. And it says, not, doesn't work that way. In fact, there's a definite delineation between light and darkness, isn't there? <laughs> In fact, it's kind of one of those obvious things. There's light and there's darkness. It's like, so what are we? Are, is it dark now? I can't tell. <laughs> it's like somebody saying, you know, man, I wish the sun would come out. Man, yesterday we had the sun, didn't we? Wasn't that awesome? How many enjoyed the sun? <laughs> I mean, it was like, wow, that's what that thing is. And it's like, you know what? There's an obvious difference between the sun and the moon. It's not like you're going to say, well, man, what is that? That's just what it is with light and darkness. It's not one of those things you kind of say, well, man, I really don't know what light and darkness is. No, there's a definite opposite. There is no question that there is a difference between light and darkness. But what's happened in our society is we try to blur the lines with sin, haven't we? I remember as a youth pastor, and it was just a couple months ago. Okay, it was a while back. It was during that time that uh, they were trying to do the crossover music. You remember that? Seem to remember that. Christian artists were saying, we just need to cross over. And so they decided to kind of remove any name of Christ or, or God from their music. And they tried to use what they called uh, keywords, safe words. They talked about love and talked about, you know, hope and trust. And they, and they used those safe words. But they soon began to realize that it really wasn't connecting. In fact, some even went so far as to have these kind of outrageous videos. How many remember those videos that used to come, those music videos? A few of them still do that. Not very many people. How many people raised their hands at all? I was like, wow, where have you been? And I remember some of those that we were aghast at that, the church would go, because oh, they weren't even subtle. Some were just, wow. I remember Amy Grant, you know, and they, they had this video of her under a waterfall. And it's like, oh, that's not a Christian video. In fact, that was close to being an R video. It's like, what's happening? In fact, it began then to kind of move into the church. How many remember uh, David Letterman's top ten? Do you remember that? They began having those in churches. Pastors began to have David Letterman's top ten, except they kind of just, you know. And then there was a big move towards that. The churches began to say, you know, I want to kind of relate to culture. They began having all kinds of things that would try to wow and try to draw in people. Now, I'm not, I'm not dissing creativity because we serve the God of creativity, amen? But we don't have to dip into the world to do that. Can you say amen? Because <laughs> we serve the God of creativity. But what happened was this. There was a subtle move, a subtle move to blur the lines. And here's a tragedy. We lived in a time back then where you could declare the name of Jesus openly in high school. Now we can't. Why would you when you could, you didn't do it. Now when we can't, we got to rely on the power of the Holy Spirit. You know what? God is in this. 
Because he is raising up young people that are not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. They're not shadow walkers because they can't afford to be. They're bold in their declaration. They're bold in who they are. And I believe that God is going to raise up and use our high schoolers to begin to show the church what it means to walk in the light. It's far time, past time, that we think somehow, if we live in obscurity, that we're going to make a difference. We're called to walk as light. We're called to make a difference. The only way that happens is through the power of the Holy Spirit. It's not going to happen by blending in. It's not going to happen by trying to deceive people. And really, that's what it came out to, about to. Very quickly, begin to realize that cross-culture music wasn't working. It wasn't connecting. Very quickly, they begin to realize that they've been sold a bill of goods and that that they thought was going to be effective was not effective. It wasn't making the mark. In fact, a lot of pastors began very quickly realizing that this isn't working. All these things, top ten, all these things, it wasn't filling the pews. It wasn't bringing people in. You almost kind of want to say, uh, hello, why do you think God said to go? <laughs> Never did he say, tell them to come. He said, Go into all the world. And it's like, what part of go don't you understand? It's almost like we had a period of time there that we kind of lost focus on what we're doing. We tried to do all kinds of things. In fact, we did everything. Man, we have smoke and mirrors. We had the whole shot thinking, we're going to get them in. It doesn't work that way. We're called to go. But I see what happened. That led the way to a blurring of the lines. It led the way to where now, even in church, there's a discussion of what is sin. Even in church that some now have blurred the lines and sin no longer is sin anymore. My friend, God has not changed. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. My friend, there is still a contrast between sin and righteousness. It's the same as light and darkness. It doesn't change. It doesn't blur. There isn't some way you come and some day you wake up and go, Oh, hey, do you know that night is now light? Did you realize that? Yeah, it's a new thing. Yeah, darkness is now light. No, it's never going to happen. They're opposites. My friend, sin is not righteousness, and the two will never meet. But when we blur the lines, we choose to become shadow walkers. The Bible tells us that Christ is the eternal, ultimate expression of God, and that he came as that. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Isn't exactly that what John 1.14 declares? And throughout Scripture, we see that Jesus became the ultimate literal expression of God. If Christ truly is in us, the expression of the Father should be seen in us. Is that logical? Is that truth? If Jesus truly is the expression of the Father, and if Jesus lives in us, guess what? The world should see the Father in us. It should be obvious. Colossians 1.26 says this, The mystery which has been hidden from the ages and from generations has now been revealed to his saints. To them God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is what? Christ in you, the hope of glory. Isn't that awesome? God did not call us to live in obscurity. 
God is not looking for shadow walkers. He is looking for those who are clothed with the power of the Holy Spirit. He is looking for those who will not be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, but who will walk in the light as he is that light. God is looking for those who desire to be in fellowship with him. This passage helps us to understand the importance of us as witnesses, that people see Christ in us. Why? It's because the transforming work of the Holy Spirit should be visible in our lives. In other words, there should be a difference between us and the world. Amen? If there isn't a visible difference, something's wrong. Yet it reminds us in 2 Corinthians 3, but we all with unveiled face, beholding as in the mirror the glory of God, and being transformed in the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. Isn't that awesome? We talked about that last month, that God is preparing the bride. And I love this passage because it reminds us that there's a work that God is doing in us, that we're being transformed from glory to glory. It's happening by the Spirit of God in our life. It's happening because the work of the Spirit is working in us. Later on, we're going to be talking about Galatians 5. It mentions the fruit of the Spirit. And it becomes an incredible analogy, just as we see fruit. I remember talking to the guy, he said, you know, we were kind of talking the Gwen's night about uh, parables, studying parables in, in the book of Luke, and uh, where Jesus came up to the fig tree, and he saw there were no figs, and uh, he commanded that it be fertilized and, you know, and then give it a chance to grow. And, and he talked about that he had this apple tree that he was going to cut down because there was no apples. It's like, you know, what's up with that? I mean, apple trees should have apples, right? And so instead of cutting it down, he decided he'd fertilize, and he did. And you know what? The next year there was two apples. Like, yeah, two apples. All right. You know what? It should bear fruit, right? If our lives are not bearing fruit, there's something wrong. Right? If the Spirit of God is in us, we should be bearing fruit. And the fruit of the Spirit should be evident in our life. If it's not, something's wrong. And we need to go back and check and look because it's that that we see in Scripture that there's a lot of that going on today. There's a lot of those that kind of want to put a name tag on, but they really haven't surrendered their life to Jesus Christ. They're not living in the Spirit. Yet we are called to be transformed into the image of Christ from glory to glory. It's that that He's called us to be, to do. You see, the Word is very clear today. In fact, this is a passage in 1 Peter 1 that uh, a lot of people don't like because it's kind of scary because it talks about the word holiness. I know a lot of you just go, oh. I'm going to say it again. Holiness. Oh. I heard it. There was a gasp. We don't have to be afraid of that. The message is clear. Those who belong to Christ were called to be holy, aren't we? What did he say? But as he who called you is holy, also be holy in what? All of your conduct. Because it is written, be holy for I am holy. But see, the reason we're scared of that is because the concept of holiness is that that we've tried to make a temporal thing. What I mean by that is we've tried to make it earthly. And so what we do is we desire to kind of make our own standard of holiness. <laughs> now I know that nobody in here would do that. You know, and nobody's ever done that. My bad, I have done that. I'm guilty of that. And what happens is this, 
We form a standard of holiness and we begin to judge people by that. When we do that, the expression of God that is seen is not the loving Heavenly Father who He is. It's an expression of God that's twisted. It's that that we have formed in our own mind. It's that that we have kind of presented ourselves. We see that happening in the New Testament. The Pharisees are good at that. To be a Pharisee, by the age of seven, you had to memorize the first five books of the Bible called the Pentateuch. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Ruth. They memorized that. You see, they grew up memorizing the law, and they became as what they were called lawyers. They interpreted religious law. And the Pharisees are very good at, at pointing out people that weren't living up to law. You see, they had a standard of holiness that they'd set for themselves because they interpreted the law according to their standard, according to what met with them. And if you were another Pharisee, they didn't judge one another because they're buds. It's like, hey, Jeff. Hey, dude, we're Pharisees, man. All right, put it there. Yeah. You know, I'm kind of worried about Tim, you know. You know, I saw him walk a step over the, the Sabbath days, you know, so I think we need to confront him. What do you think? Yeah, you know, he wasn't holy yesterday. He blew it. They became good at that. In fact, they love to try to trap Jesus. In fact, you read in Scripture, and we read this, it's incredible. They looked to trap Jesus because they knew that he would heal because of his compassion. So it's like, hey, let's put this sick person from him because guess what? He's going to heal him. Yeah, he's going to do that. Yeah, he's going to do it on a Sabbath too. What's the matter with that thinking? Are you kidding me? Using a, a person that's sick? In fact, Scripture is an inference that this person was a friend of theirs. Talking about using somebody. I mean, how twisted is that? Hey, let's put him before Jesus because surely he's going to heal him because he's full of compassion. And we can trip him up because he'll do it on the Sabbath and he'll break the law. What's up with that? You begin to see how twisted their thinking got. And sure enough, Jesus did. He healed him. And he healed him on the Sabbath. And it's like a parable that Jesus exactly knows what's going on. He, he understands and sees what they're doing and he calls them on it. Jesus revealed the Pharisee's standard of the law, that it wasn't holiness. Look what Jesus said in Matthew 23. Even so you outwardly appear righteous to men, but inside you're full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. You see, Jesus revealed through his teaching what the problem really was. You know what the problem was? It's a three-letter word, and it starts with S and begins with N. <laughs> or starts with S and ends with N. Let's say it together. What's the problem? Sin. And you see, we need to understand today what's happening is this, we're trying to obscure that word. We're trying to define that word, redefine it. We redefine it by that that kind of uh, maybe we don't like or doesn't fit our, our lifestyle or doesn't fit our form. And what we've seen, and it's even happened in the church that all of a sudden it's obscured. But my friend, guess what? God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God is the same. He hasn't changed. And guess what? Light and darkness haven't changed. They're still opposites. The tragic thing is, is that 
blurring the line has led to a blurring of understanding who Jesus is. And that's why in this past it's so powerful. And that's why the declaration is, is so cool. That it says, God is light. In him there's no darkness at all. There's none. And we're called to have fellowship. I um, recently was given a CD. It was sent to me from a, a guy in Illinois. And said, uh, man, you got to listen to this CD. It's really cool. And so I listened to it. And he was a, a pastor that pastors a church a lot larger than, than here. And he makes a lot more money than I do. In fact, he is a jet. I don't. I don't want one. I don't know how to fly one. I really don't care to fly him, really. I like something with wheels on. Anyway, in this, he was talking about that this passage of 1 John, that 1 John 1.9 was never meant for believers. It's only meant for unbelievers. But the rest of John... Is, is meant for believers. It's like, I, I went back and read that and went, oh yeah? Wow. I don't see that anywhere. And then he talked about that the grace of God is so cool that with God's grace now, once you confess your sins, you don't ever have to do that again. Because once you confess your sins, he forgives your sins, past, present, and future. See, so you're all good. And so you never have to do that again. Man, I tell you what, the more I listen to that CD, the more I begin to get sick. And I, at first I thought, you know, I haven't eaten. Maybe that's what it is. And I'll go over at home and get something to eat. You know, and ever had one of those times you just kind of don't know what's going on. Just kind of things kind of. And then I realized that feeling wasn't going away. And I just, it, the more I began listening to this, the more I just began getting a sick feeling that something was wrong. But how many times, you know, you, you kind of, you listen to the messenger and think, well, you know, certainly he must have something to say because, I mean, he's got a huge church. The guy's got a lot of money. So there must be something there. But the more I begin to listen to it, the more angry I got, and the more I begin to realize that is not the gospel. We're not to obscure righteousness and holiness. Holiness is that that happens because of the work of the Spirit in us. It's nothing we have to manufacture. And as I begin listening to that, he began talking about that, you know, it's okay that you can have a relationship with God and not be in fellowship with him. And when he said that, I just lost it. I took the CD out and I broke it. And I actually cut my hand when I did that. Because this thing is sharp when they break, you know that? But I got angry. Because you know what? Why would you want a relationship with God and not have fellowship with him? What a waste! I got so angry and it's like, are you kidding me? Why is he saying it's okay to have a relationship with not fellowship? That's why I love where John said, and these things we write to you, that your joy may be full. I don't know about you, but I want my joy full. How about you? Amen? Anybody want joy that's full? Anybody here? Anybody want joy that's full? It happens in fellowship with God. But that happens when we walk in the light. We are not shadow walkers. We don't obscure in the darkness and say, well, you know what? If I could hide just a little bit here. They won't know who I am. No, that's garbage. We don't make excuses. We don't walk in the shadows and obscurity and say, well, it's okay. I just want to fit into the world and they're going to like me. And then when they like me, they'll listen to what I have to say. Wrong, it doesn't work that way. There's a big difference between conviction and condemnation. How many know that? 
It's the spirit that convicts. Conviction leads to repentance. Condemnation leads to guilt and shame. My friend, we need to understand something. It's the work of the Spirit that convicts. And we need the work of the Holy Spirit in America. Amen? Let's pray for a spirit of conviction that leads to repentance. We don't need condemnation. That's what the enemy tries to do. He has no authority, but he tries to get by with that. It's like getting stopped on your way back from church. Yeah, the old cherry and the old siren, they pull you over and some guy steps out and says, man, you ran that red light. There wasn't a red light around. No, you ran a red light. So you pay me now, send him five bucks or you're done. You question his authority. Excuse me, who are you? Did you see my light? Did you hear my siren? What does that tell you? No. Who are you? Well, I asked you. You heard my siren? You saw my light? What does that tell you? No. Who are you? If he can't produce any authority that he stands behind, what are you going to do? See you and you're going to take off. Why? There is no authority. He doesn't represent authority. He represents himself. I saw a video. It was really cool because this happened to me this week. I kept on getting calls on my cell phone saying, this is officer so-and-so from the IRS, and you owe such-and-such money, and unless you send this in and wire it right away, they're going to be at your door arresting you. It's like, whoa. You know, when, I mean, when you hear that, you're just like, oh, no. you know. And so the bright person I am, I try to call that number on my cell phone. Don't do that, by the way. And it didn't go through. It's like, this call cannot be connected as dialed. And so then I just kind of thought, okay, I deleted it. And I got another one with another phone number. The same voice, kind of electronic voice. And it says, this is Officer Sohn from the IRS. You owe this amount of money. Don't delete or they'll become arresting you. It's like, what's up with this? And then, this is God because I'm going through my emails and somebody sent me this video and I printing this video and this police officer is talking to this guy on the phone and the guy says this is from the IRS and you owe $8,000 and so this police officer is kind of playing with the guy and going uh, can I just send you a check? Nope. You need to use your, you know, your bank and routing number and you need to send it to me. So the police having a good time and says so you're, you're telling me if the police come to my door right now? Yes, unless you wire it right now. And so <laughs> the police is saying really? You're serious? So I should be afraid that they're going to come and arrest me right now. And it's just hilarious because, you know, it's like this guy obviously doesn't know who he's talking to. And I kind of had a good laugh and I thought, wow. But that's the world we live in. It's all about deception, isn't it? It's obscurity. It's like if we can pretend. My friend, it doesn't work that way. It's the Holy Spirit that works in us that convicts us of sin. Why? Because the Father longs for us to have fellowship with him. He longs for us to know him. And it says, if he reveals to us there's sin in our life, what can we do? He says, if you confess your sin, he is what? Faithful and just to forgive your sin and cleanse him on righteousness. Why? Because the Father wants you in fellowship with him. He longs for you to be in fellowship with him. Why? He is light and him there's no darkness at all. Darkness does not fit with light. My friend, that's for you today. God is revealing to you that he loves you with an everlasting love. And he has called you to holiness, but not something you put on by yourself. It's not like a coat you put on and say, you know, this is holy. No. 
is that that he works inside. There's a guy named John Fisher that worked, uh, wrote a book called The Dark Horse. And in this book, he talked about the Lipizzaner stallions and how these stallions are, are incredible, how they, they can leap and dance, and it's almost like they're floating on air. And he writes a story about this little pinto pony that longed to be a Lipizzaner stallion, but he knew it was never going to happen because he was a pinto. But he learned how he could just dance just in the right way as the spotlight would hit him. And so he had practiced because he, he longed someday to be on a stage where they would just awe and say, oh, look at that Lipizzaner stallion. And so this little pinto paint did that. He began dancing around practicing all the time he was practicing. And finally, the time came. When the spotlight came on, he quickly rushed out there and he begin to dance and prance around and prance in the right way. In fact, you see the picture, you'll see, here he is. You know what? He could put his way, his body just in a certain way that he looked white and he would make sure that the black wasn't shown. But all of a sudden, all the lights came up and there was a gasp and a little boy said, he's a fake and a fraud. Because the pinto was seen for who he was. He was not a Lipizzaner stallion. He was a pinto. And John Fisher writes that story talking about that there are people that try to pretend to walk in the light, but they don't. My friend, light and darkness is different. It's opposite. Sin and righteousness is different. It's opposite. Ephesians tells us this in chapter 5. You were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Finding out what is acceptable to the Lord, have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. My friend, God has called us to expose darkness, not to embrace it. He has called us to expose darkness. Not pretend, but to walk in truth. Father, thank you that you love us so much, that you long for us to walk in fellowship with you. You long for us, and your word says that you write these things, that our joy may be full. Thank you, Jesus, that it's a joy that you give us. It's that that doesn't come by who we are or what we do. It's that that happens because of whose we are. Because we belong to Jesus. Father, thank you for that. So Lord, today, God, may we choose not to be shadow walkers. Father, may we choose, God, to allow you to draw us closer to yourself. God, may we make, make no excuses for what we do. May we make no excuses, God, for those things, God, that our heart goes after. But Lord, may we just allow our heart to be laid open. For God, we're reminded that our heart's deceitful above all else, that no man knows it. So God, may we give you permission right now to expose the darkness in us. May we give you permission to expose all that is not of you, and Lord, may we desire God to walk in the light. Thank you for that. Thank you for that, Father. Oh, we give you praise for that. 
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. With your head bowed and your eyes closed, please, no one looking around. If you're here today and you know because the Holy Spirit is, is working in your heart, my friend, that's called the work of conviction. It leads to repentance. It's a work because he longs to draw you to the Father. And he wants to remind you there is joy, fullness of joy in his presence. There is peace forevermore. Over and over again in the word, we're promised that. But some of you are living in turmoil because you've allowed the lines to be blurred. You're trying to live on the fence. Some of you right now are saying, you know what, Pastor? I want to live in that fellowship with God. I want to sense that joy and that peace. That's what I need right now. But I know that there is sin in my life. I know that the Holy Spirit is exposing things in me that are wrong. I don't want that. I want light. If that's you this morning, just lift up your hands and say, Pastor, pray for me. I'm tired of living in the darkness. I want to walk in the light. Yes. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Yes. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Let's stand together. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Several of you that raised your hand, would you right now just lift up your hands to the Lord? Every one of us, just lift your hands up. Some of you have been kind of having an argument with yourself. You've been justifying thoughts, justifying things in your life. And the Holy Spirit's kind of knocking, saying, no, I'm the one that justifies. You don't justify. I'm the justifier. He's knocking because he longed for you to desire light. Would you right now just say, Lord, I surrender to you. Just say that, I surrender to you. Father, expose the darkness in my life. I do not want to be a shadow walker. I want to walk in the light as you are that light. So, Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I confess my sin. Cleanse me with the blood of Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I just thank him right now. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. My friend, he said he is faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you from unrighteousness. If you meant that, he did that. Can you say amen? If you meant that, he did that. And he is drawing you by his spirit. He's calling you to himself. So, Pastor, what does that mean? He's given you his word, not just to read, but it's so you can begin to hear what God is speaking to you. He wants to speak a rhema 
It's a Greek word for spoken word. He wants to speak to you. Jesus said, my sheep know me. They hear my voice. They will not follow another. You know that if you belong to Jesus, you can hear his voice. Quit allowing the enemy to intimidate you and say you can't hear from God. You can. If Jesus said it, he's not a liar. You can. Amen? <laughs> we're going to be talking about this later on. It's going to be good. In fact, we're going to be having a, a class that, that is an equipping class that talks about learning how to hear the voice of God. Where you're going to be given tools to begin to do that. We're going to practice doing that in the class. Because you know what? We need to begin to walk in the Spirit. We need to begin to hear the voice of God. Amen? Amen? Because we are not shadow walkers. We're called to walk in the light as He is that light. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you. And God, I just give you praise this morning. That God, you have exposed darkness. God, you expose the shadows. And Lord, we want to walk in the light. God, we want our life, God, to expose darkness around us. God, maybe it makes people uncomfortable, but God, they want light. Thank you. That, Lord, you're doing it by your spirit. And I just give you praise for that. I give you glory for that. And so, Father, right now, God, we bless you. And, Father, I pray that you just bless these people. God, that you would draw them closer to you. God, may they have such a hunger for you. May they spend more time, God. May it begin the moment they wake up. That God, there's such a desire just to commune with you, just to begin to talk with you, Father. And I just give you praise for that. I give you the glory. And we say yes to you. In Jesus' name.